Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too, and with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus, made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students, including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV. Everyone, you are tuned into the Trust and Believe Nomad Cast. I'm your humble host, retired Master Sergeant 20. So appreciate all the support, all the comments, all the subscriptions, and all the downloads. Again, you can catch me, the Trust and Believe Nomad Cast. You can catch it on my YouTube channel, Retired Master Sergeant 20. And also, if you prefer the audio audio versions, you can also go to your favorite podcast platforms. To include Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Deezer, Podcast Chaser, Podcast Addict, CastBox, to name a few. Today is the 27th of October, 2021, and it is on a Wednesday, which is a way back Wednesday. But for my opening remarks, hope everyone had a great Tuesday. Hope you had a great Monday and Tuesday. Um. Everything is, is pretty much status quo over here on my side. Everybody's good to go. Everybody's good to go. No issues. And we continue to move forward. Hey, one thing I want to talk about in my opening remarks, being convicted and what you say, say what you mean and mean what you say. And I, I'm going to align this with coaches, NFL coaches, particularly college coaches, because these are the ones that usually a kind of waffling and you know, you can't believe them, can't trust them and all these sorts of things. So right now the USC job is open in college. Well, they have an interim coach, but he's not going to stay on the job. So they'll hire him probably before the recruiting cycle later on this year. Right. Um, and there are the other big time jobs. I will say top 15 jobs are available. You got the USC job that's available and you have the LSU job, which, which is available. And to me, if I'm a coach, I will want to take the LSU job just because of the recruiting. You can pretty much put a fence around Louisiana and can control all that recruiting area in Louisiana because everyone knows that follows the sport down south in them Louisiana's, the Texas, the Alabama's, Georgia's, Florida's and all that. That is where primary the primary place to recruit your elite college football players, where your elite high school players, subsequent college football players. The majority of your five-star players are coming from the states I just mentioned, uh, five-star and four-stars. And if they don't get, if, if you live down south and you don't get recruited by 
the big time schools. A lot of times you go out west, you go up north, whatever. Just a little story. Just years ago, I remember, you know, everything, the positions was broken up by the states. If you wanted your quarterbacks, you went to Pennsylvania, you went to California to recruit those high school quarterbacks. If you wanted your offensive lineman, your big defensive lineman, you recruited in Nebraska and some of those central states. Because a lot of those dudes that comes from those states, they worked on the farm with dad, worked on the farm with, with Uncle Joe and Grandpa Willie and all this. And they're strong upper body. They got good uh, hand width, good spacers, the whole nine. And then if you wanted your speed, you went down south. And then up north, you can uh, get some talented as well. But the, the problem is with the up north schools, you can't play football year round due to inclement weather. So, you know, typically once the summer ends, your football is over. You play in the fall, but these guys are not playing football throughout the year because the inclement weather. Well, down south and on the west coast, you can play football freaking all year long. You can train, you know, do all those things. Well, now with that, you got indoor facilities you can train. You can do all these things. I'm kind of getting off the subject here, but the whole point is I just want to give you a backstory about all that. But Yesterday, they had a press conference with Mike Tomlin, which he's the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the reason I want to title this opening remarks about uh, staying convicted, mean what you say, say what you mean. So usually when, when, when the reporters ask the coach, hey, are you looking at the next job? What, are, what about the rumors going to this job, so on and so forth? So, for example, you know, they asked Mel Tucker, who coaches Michigan State, who we're going to kick their butt Saturday being a Michigan fan and all that. But that's another story. Um, they asked Mel Tucker, hey, what are about the rumors about the LSU job? Because he has continuity down there. You know, he recruited down there. He coached down there, so on and so forth. So they asked him, and I'm paraphrasing here. They asked him, uh, what about the rumors? How do you want to address those rumors about the LSU job? And Coach Mel Tucker, he was kind of nonchalant. He said, you know, we're focused on the school down the road, talking about Michigan, right? We're focused on them. We're focused on the future. You know, I'm not going to address those. And I appreciate it, you know, if you don't ask me those questions again. Again, I'm just paraphrasing. So, you know, my thing is if I am if I go to Michigan State, if I go to some of these schools and I hear my coach, you know, waffling, not being convicted of what he's saying, then, you know, okay, how long is this guy going to be here? He recruited me to play college football to get an education for four years, three or four years. And now he's at the press conference, and when he's being asked a question about how do you want to address the future as it relates to other potential uh, college jobs, he's kind of saying, oh, we're focused on the next opponent. Well, they asked Mike Tomlin, who coaches the Pittsburgh Steelers, he went to two Super Bowls, one one. They asked him, what about the USC job, University of Southern California? Again, I'm paraphrasing Mike um, Tomlin, and he was like um, – I mean, he was, if you ever listen to a Mike Tomlin uh, press conference, he is the perfect person. The way he articulates his words, he's very, you know, deliberate with the way he uses these words. Phenomenal, phenomenal public speaker. But anyway, they asked him, hey, what is your interest? You know, what are, do you want to address the rumors about the USC job? And he was like, I can't believe you got, again, I'm paraphrasing. I can't believe you guys asked me this question. You know, I got the best job in the world, probably the best job in sports. I'm the head coach of the Pitt. Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers are huge, huge following. NFL royalty, right? And he was like, why would I leave this to go coach 
a job in college. I can't believe you guys are asking me this question. I will never say never. You can never say never, but I'm saying never. And then to put a button on that, he said, there's no booster that can write a check, uh, write a check. Uh, what do you say? Can't make a blank check big enough for me to leave here. So if I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler, again, that's the NFL is different than college. But if I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler and I hear my coach saying, I will never leave. I can never say never, but I'm saying never. You know, you guys are crazy to keep asking me these questions. I coached the, the best uh, one the NFL royalty in football. Why would I leave here? So now I'm like, okay, my coach is going to be here with me. But a lot of times these coaches get to the podium and, hey, you know, coach, how do you feel about um, such and such job opening up? Do you want to address those rumors? Oh, well, you know, I'm focused on the task at hand and, I just, you know, I'm worried about this week and, you know, I'm not worried about the future. I'm happy where I'm at. Okay. That's not telling me nothing. If I'm a college player sitting there, you done came in my living room and talked to my mom and dad about going to this school. And then I hear you saying this, but time and time again, these coaches do this and they take these, these subpar college jobs in order to elevate them to the next high potential job. And you didn't recruit Johnny, you didn't recruit Jerry, you didn't walked in their living rooms and told the mother and father, you didn't looked them in the eyes and told them, I'm going to be here for three years. I'm going to be here until he graduates, uh, until he goes to the NFL. I'm going to be there for him. Essentially what you're doing is lying. So I'd much rather have someone that's going to say, hey, there may be an opportunity for me in the NFL or another college, but at this point in time, I'm going to be here. And I'm going to do everything I can to be a servant leader to ensure your son, number one, graduates, graduates on time. And if he want to pursue those NFL goals, I would do everything I can to facilitate those conversations with people that's all the decision makers in terms of getting him on the roster and or drafting him. Again, you, you can spin it how you want, but I'd rather have someone saying, I'm going to be here versus, well, you know, I'm focused on the next appointment. And right now, I don't want to address those rumors. So a lot of times that trips me out with those press conferences. They just say these little things. And then the kids that they recruited, they kind of sitting on pins and needles. But then the kid get crucified if he just transfers. Oh, I'm not getting no plan time at such and such college. Oh, I'm transferring to another one. Then they call the kid selfish. But we don't talk about the coach who pretty much lies to the mom and dad, pretty much lies to the student athlete, as they call them, right? So that was my opening remark. That probably was a rant. <laughs> but nonetheless, I just something I was just kind of just thinking about. Uh, today, as we transition to way back Wednesday, I'm going to tell a story about how a command sergeant major who I served under in Okinawa, Japan, um, used his power, his influence, because sergeant majors, if you don't know, command sergeant majors are pretty much the senior enlisted advisors for your battalion, brigade, so on and so forth, right? Higher echelons. And they are charged with being the advisor to that battalion commander, to that brigade commander, or however the echelon is set up, right? And he or she is also tasked to move chess pieces on a chessboard in terms of personnel Hey, this person should be in this slot based on your MOS, based on your skill set, so on and so forth. So I'm going to tell you a story today on way back Wednesday talking about how my command sergeant major in Okinawa, everything that he did in terms of moving chess pieces on the chess board and moving me from one section to another one, 
probably propelled me to make the rank of master sergeant. So I'm going to tell that story again. Today is 27 October, 2021. Trust and believe nomad cast. You are tuned in retired master sergeant 20. Appreciate everything. I'm going to see you guys in a bit talking about way back Wednesday and how my sergeant major helped influence, um, helped influence me to not only go to the section, I ain't have no choice, but also what he did probably propelled me to make master sergeant. So stay tuned, stay locked. See y'all in a bit. All right, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back to way back Wednesday on the 27th of October, 2021. As I stated in my opening remarks, I'm going to tell you the story about how my command sergeant major used his leverage, used his influence, used his power, which is always associated with a command sergeant major using their power. Um, and everything to move me from one section to another one in order for me to uh, make the rank, potentially make the rank of master sergeant. And that's what ended up happening. So I'm kind of going to break down the reason why he did it, when he did it and how he did it. So I'm going to take you back to what is it? 2000, 2016, we were stationed in Okinawa, Japan. We had already been there for about two years because we got there 2014. And uh, the unit I was in in Okinawa, Japan, we did a lot of, we were tasked with uh, conducting, synchronizing uh, all the Pacific Pathway missions. Pacific Pathways went from Hawaii to Thailand, the Philippines, uh, Indonesia to Japan and back and all these other places, right? Well, our unit was tasked with going on those missions, being in charge of the mare sales, being in charge of all your uh, transportation efforts, supply efforts, so on and so forth. We were kind of like the leaders on the ground to ensure the training units got everything they needed. So basically, I worked in the support operations, which we call the SPO in, in the Army. And your support operations is comprised of different commodities so you have your supply and logistics which is what i was in charge of you have your transportation elements you have your uh your maintenance your food service fuel and water you have uh in our unit uh we had uh watercraft operations as well because we did we conducted a lot of a lot of uh, the vessel operation in uh japan so we had uh i may be missing some Oh, we had the planners plant that planned operation and everything. And I may be missing something. And usually your SPO, depending on the echelon, uh, is comprised of a Lieutenant Colonel and a Sergeant major, um, that's in charge of that SPO. And then all everyone else is typically you have your warrant officers, some captains, uh, master sergeants, Sergeant first classes, so on and so forth. And our SPO, the most junior person in our school was a staff sergeant. So we didn't have, you know, soldier issues. Cause I mean, cause it was all, it was like a big boy section. You know, we worried about uh, the three levels of sustainment, which is what your strategic, your operational and your tactical. So that was, those was our things. So we didn't worry about, we didn't have to deal with like soldier type issues. You know what I mean? We still was, we had our school platoon, 
we had our spoke platoon sergeant. And when I got there in 2014, I had just came off recruiting duty. So the best way for me to get back in the fight, knowing that the army sent me on recruiting prior to that assignment is to, Hey, okay, I'm not a recruiter no more. Recruiting duty is over. Let me jump back in. I'm a sergeant first class. Let me go in. I want to be the platoon sergeant. So I was the spoke platoon sergeant for probably about a year and a half because what they did, they rotated you out. Um, you do it a year and then you let another E7 um, get his or her time as a platoon sergeant because you need that time in order to advance, right? And um, so I had came out the platoon sergeant seat and I was in charge of the supply and logistics uh, division in our spoke. And basically what I did, I coordinated and synchronized all the logistical efforts on Japan. Um, and my higher headquarters was in Hawaii. So I had to send all my reports, all my weekly reports and all my data and everything. I had to virtually send all that to my higher headquarters, which was in, which is still in Hawaii. Right. Um, so I dealt with all that. And so I was very comfortable. Let me tell you, and my wife will tell you this. My day started with, especially after I got out the platoon sergeant position, it was just me, right? I would come in and do PT, I'd come in about, you know, after I got done with PT and cleaned up and everything, I would come in about nine o'clock, sometimes nine 30, you know, cause I was the only guy, I was pretty much the SME, the subject matter expert on all logistical operations in that SPO and coordinating all the efforts in Japan. Right. So I was like, shoot, man, I'm good. You know? Um, and I didn't have like a, a person behind me. It was just me. Um, no one assisted me. Right. And so I, uh, I would come to work about nine, nine 30. I leave about 1500, 1530. I tell the sports major, a major, I got an appointment. I got to, you know, do whatever. And I was the only one all my reports were set up. All my data, everything's been codified and arranged and everything. So I was good. I, I didn't have nothing else. I wasn't the platoon sergeant no more. So I ain't got to worry about, you know, the platoon issues and admin issues and none of this other stuff. I'm out. I'm gone. I go pick my son up from dad going, uh, after he got out of school, go to the, uh, the after school care on base and we gone home. I go to the commissary, go to the PX or whatever. Right. Unless we had like a mandatory formation which is you know, rare, right, in our section. And um, so my command sergeant major was like, you know what, you real comfortable over there. You real comfortable in the SPO. I'm going to have to shake some things up. So I'm like, sergeant major, I'm good. No, I'm, I'm good. I am good. Life is good because that was like the first, one of the first times that I could just chill. You know, I, I mean, I was, I was chilling. It was really about me then. And so we had got tasked to go uh, head up a, a, a mission in the Philippines. And we was there for probably. Are you good at guessing what people want? This year, stop guessing and give them what they want. From burgers to video games to ripped jeans. They pick their gift from some of their favorite brands with a choice gift card from giftcards.com. It's genius maybe 58 days, 55 days or something like that. And so we was in the Philippines coordinating all the logistical efforts, the transportation, the fuel, the, the water. I mean, everything we was doing, everything we had, uh, 
war fighters coming from all over in the States coming to the Philippines to train as part of Pacific pathways. Right? So we were there and we was probably maybe 10 days away from rotating back to Okinawa. All the units have trained. We reorganized them, did everything, reset them and, you know, sent the equipment out back to, uh, to uh, their respective duty assignments, whatever it came from. So we were pretty much just cleaning everything up, making sure we we reset the battlefield, reset the footprint and everything, right? So we was already back in the hotel because we was in a, a field-like environment. And then the last few days of the operation, every, after everything was finished, we was in the hotel on the former Clark Air Force Base in the Philippines, right? So we just chilling. We had like maybe 10 days left. So now we're just doing administrative stuff, signing over the land and making sure all the contracts were reconciled and doing all that admin type stuff. Right. Cause all the training was done. So I had got word. I was in an elevator. I was like on the fifth floor of this uh, hotel in the Philippines. Now I was getting ready to go to McDonald's or something. Cause the McDonald's was right across the street. So I was getting ready to go there. And I got the note, my, uh, Spo, uh, Colonel, he's a Lieutenant Colonel. He's like, Hey, sorry, Anderson. Hey man. He said, you tracking that Sergeant major wants to move you to the S three. So I'm like, what? I said, no, nah, I don't want to go to the S three. I'm good. Cause I've been in the S three before and the S three is pretty much the, the type of section that again, they coordinate everything. It's not logistical coordination, but they're doing everything from the ceremonies to changing commands full operations, strategic level operations, tactical operations. They're doing everything right. They did everything in the, in the most junior person in that section was an E five. So you didn't have a lot of soldier issues. It was a big boy section usually headed by, uh, I think they had a major and it was a, a sergeant major, right? Again, a big boy section as well. And so I was like, no, nah, I don't want to go to the spot. I mean, go to the S three. I'm good. I'm good. So I don't know, man, Sergeant Major wants to move you. So I'm like, okay, I got to get, get in touch with Command Sergeant Major. So I knew Command Sergeant Major was getting ready to go to TDY. I, I think he was going back to the States for like 10 days or something, right? I knew I needed to get in contact with him before he was wheels up and he left Okinawa to go to the States while on TDY. So I was like, okay. So I sent him a message and I was like, Sergeant Major, I'd like to talk to you. I know you're getting ready to prep and go on a mission, uh, back to the States for a little bit, but I like to talk to you regarding, uh, the room I'm hearing about me going to the S three. So he replied, all right, you know, got it. I need, you know, we can come talk, um, on a Saturday cause I'm wheels up on Sunday. So I'm like, okay. So once I, once I left the Philippines, flew back to Okinawa, got settled and everything. I remember telling my wife, I said, you know, I talked to Sergeant major tomorrow. He's trying to move me to the uh, S3. And she was like, you know what? You should do it. You've been in the SPO. You got comfortable, yada, yada. And I was like, well, shoot, man, you're supposed to be on my side. And she was like, look, are you trying to make master sergeant or what? She said, because you, you, you're right. You have gotten comfortable. So I'm like, yeah, babe, you know, you're right. You're right. So I said, I'm going to go with this. Um, I'm going to go to this meeting tomorrow. And I'm just going to tell them how I feel about it and everything. And we'll see what happens. And, uh, if we prayed on it and everything, cause I didn't want to leave the SPO, man. The SPO, I was, I was living good over there. Cause again, I was just worried about me. Right. And, um, so he was like, okay, I want to meet you at the PX. Um, cause I'm meeting with other senior, uh, advisors right before I talked to you. Cause he was meeting with the SAR major, uh, a couple of Marine SAR majors, 
couple of Navy guys equivalent to E9s, Air Force. They had like a joint a joint meeting with all the, the E9 um, senior advisors on the island. They would do this like every two weeks or whatever. So it just so happened it fell on the, the Saturday that uh, me and him were talking. So I got there and I saw him, you know, he kind of waved and nodded his head, acknowledged I was there. So I was there for probably about 45 minutes. I was kind of just waiting on him, you know. So once they all left, you know, he just called me on over. And he was like, you know, what's going on? How you doing? I said, I'm good, Sergeant Major. How you doing? He was like, yeah. He said, so tell me. Tell me why on earth should I allow you to stay in the SPO? I said, well, Sergeant Major. So I'm thinking before I even talk to him, I'm like, shoot, I've been a recruiter for the freaking Army. I know how to put freaking uh, boots on the ground. I know how to freaking do all this stuff. Um, there's no way he's going to tell me that I'm leaving. Shoot, I'm about to control this. I'm the freaking recruiter, so on and so forth. So I'm saying all this. And he was like, so tell me why you want to stay in the SPO. I said, well, Sergeant Major, you know, I'm an integral part of the SPO. I go to all the Pacific Pathway missions. I go to all the exercises that we have in Thailand, the Philippines, mainland Japan, Australia. I'm going to all these. I'm the one that, you know, you guys are tasked to lead these operations. Sergeant Major, I can't leave the SPO because I'm the only one that knows the, the logistics job that I'm doing. No one else is trained over there because I'm the only uh, 92 Alpha, well, senior 92 Alpha in that section. So he was like, okay, you got a couple of uh, other junior 92 Alphas that can do your job. I say, knowing he was right, but I was like, no, Sergeant Major, I'm the only one that can do, <laughs> I'm the only one can do my job because, you know, I'm doing this and, you know, my uh, higher echelon is in Hawaii. They used to me. They know da da da. He was like, okay. He was like, keep talking. So I'm like, yes, yeah, Sergeant Major. I said, I've already worked in the S3 uh, a couple of times before. So I'm used to the S3. I know what it's like, but I think I'm better served in this unit. So I can better serve this organization if I stay in the SPO, support operations. So he's kind of just looking at me and I'm getting the feeling like, yep, I'm leaving. I'm going to the freaking S3. I could just tell whatever I was selling, he ain't buying. So he was like, let me tell you something. He said, if you already been passed up twice for a master sergeant, right? And I said, Roger, Sergeant Major. He said, how did that make you feel? I said, well, you know, it don't make me feel good. I said, it kind of makes me feel like, man, you know, all I'm doing. He said, let me tell you something. He said, when all them Sergeant Majors are looking at all these records of all these E7s trying to make master sergeant, everything that you're doing is the same thing that other E7s are doing. That's, you know, with the same type of unit you're in. They're going on all these missions. They're doing an outstanding job. They're leading these missions. They're synchronizing efforts. They're coordinating efforts. They're doing everything they need to do. But you got to do more, especially as an E7. You're coming off recruiting duty. You had honorable time doing that. So now you're back in the fight. You left recruiting duty. You come to Japan. You was a platoon sergeant. You did the right thing there. Now you lead all these missions. You've done that. Now you have to do something else to, to show that these are major that you are versatile. You can do other things. No, nah, Sergeant Major, you know, nah, you don't understand. And, you know, for him to make Command Sergeant Major, he got to go through everything I've been through. And it's kind of one of the things I always say. He ain't telling you because he guessing. He's telling you because he know, right? So I'm like, you know, I'm trying to tell this, tell him about everything. I'm like, shoot, he's been in my position before. He's had to make it, make it through the ranks. 
So we got to talking, we got to talking. And then he was like, all right. Cause I think at this time it was like June. He was like, uh, I'm going on. Once I come back from the States, I'm going on leave to Thailand for like 10 days. He said, that'll bring me up to, uh, July after the 4th of July weekend. He said, after that, you will be in the S3. He said, go talk to uh, the Sergeant Major over there and uh, you're going to be in the S3. He said, so whatever you're trying to sell me today wasn't working because I'm going to move you regardless of what you're saying. I was like, dang, Sergeant Major. So, you know, what's cool about him. I have respect for Sergeant Major for even saying, seeing that, you know what, I need to shift him and move him to another section in order for him to advance. So I was already good to go with the S3 Sergeant Major you know, friends to this day, friends with all these guys to this day, definitely a great mentor as well. And, uh, now he was like, yeah, I'm tracking Sergeant major. Um, uh, talk to me about you coming over. Can't wait to have you. I've been looking at you from afar when you was the platoon sergeant, you was doing everything. Outstanding things. You're going to be a value asset to the S3. Can't wait to see you in July. And that right there put the stamp on, you know, everything, how I was feeling. Cause you know, I didn't want to go back to an S3 cause I had been to one, but you know what? This S3 was different cause we had water operation. I mean, we had so much stuff. It was such a dynamic section based upon, you know, where we was at in Japan. Cause the things that we were doing in Japan, we, what we couldn't do if I was in the S3 at Fort hood or I was an S3 somewhere else. So it was a unique environment. And I was like, I would be crazy to get upset about moving over here. Right. And I was already cool with everybody that was over there. We all knew each other. So there was no issues with that. And that July, right after that 4th of July weekend on, in, um, 2016, I went over there and it was full throttle. I mean, it was nonstop. And I, I gave everything I had to that freaking S3. And then I put in work for that year. And then, uh, I got my evaluation. Everything was good to go. So then now it was time for the board to convene to select the start, the potent, the future master sergeants in the army. And guess what? I came up on that master sergeant list. You know what? Now, if I hadn't, if Sergeant major hadn't moved me from the SPO to the S three, would I have made master sergeant? I probably could have, but I will tell you, and I've said this in previous videos, Okinawa, Japan, when I was in the S3, even the SPO, but just speaking on this S3 level, it, it provided me the opportunity to see things holistically because everything I did in the S3 when I was at Fort Lewis, I kind of worked in my own little section. I was part of the planet cell, so it was a little different, but I got to see things holistically. And my Sergeant Major, man, he put me out there, man. He threw me in the fire being a charge of brigade level, uh, events and you know i was the freaking the neo manager i mean I, I did we did so much stuff and the influence i had in that s3 was phenomenal because most of those guys came from a tactical background so now you mix in the tactical background some of them dudes uh work at the strategic level and you know dealing with operations so i'm like i could bring the sustainment level to uh to the s3 and i'm like man this is great this is a conglomerate this is a hodgepodge of freaking genius right here. This is great. And so I end up coming up on the list to make master sergeant. And, uh, I think it was April of 2017. And funny thing about that, I had, I think I had 
something wrong was well, I always had something wrong with my knee, but I was on quarters for like a week or something due to I had got shots on my knee or something was happening. And I remember everyone was calling me once uh, the, the results, the board results was released. Uh, well, my name, you know, getting uh, promoted to master sergeant. And this was like April of 2017. And I didn't get promoted till November 17. Cause my sequence numbers, I think was like at 49. So I had to wait, you know, till people got promoted or till the army started promoting people. But uh, I remember the Sergeant Major called me. He said, hey, man, he said, congratulations. Now, I'm, you know, I got my knee issues. I'm taking his medicines. I'm, like, professionally high as a kite. I have no clue who I'm talking to. So I'm like, yeah, Sergeant Major. He said, hey, man, congratulations, man. I see you got a sequence number of 49. Uh, congratulations, my Sergeant. And I'm like, huh? He said, do you know you made the Master Sergeant list? And I was like. Uh, Sergeant Major, I couldn't even get nothing. Out. I mean, I was so under the influence of all the the prescription drugs they give you, because uh, we had a Navy hospital in Japan, so they gave me these prescription drugs for my knee. So I'm gone. I ain't. I'm not tracking anything he's saying, right? And uh, but he was like, "Get some sleep, man. I see you next week. Congratulations!" And people start calling me, they're texting me, emailing me, and everything. And my wife was like, "You know what?" She said, "I'm so glad that you got out your comfort zone." And went from the SPO to that S3 because it challenged you. And that's what you needed. And I would tell you that challenge that I had in that S3 in Okinawa, when I got to Korea that July, that August of 2017, again, I gave them full all of Damon Anderson that I could. And I ended up making Master Sergeant that November of 2017. I know I will always say Korea was the culminating event for everything I learned in the army, but more importantly, everything I learned in Japan and that S three Korea was the culminating event because I took everything. I was a whole different person, man. I tell you, man, sometimes, you know, you can use this story. Yeah. I'm telling a story on how a Sergeant major saw something in me to move me from one section to another in order to advance. But I tell you, I was stuck in the comfort zone and I was chilling and he put me in the fire and, you know, it wasn't no more chilling because it was just nonstop, nonstop. I was still doing these Pacific pathway missions. I was still doing all that stuff, but I'm so thankful that he moved me to the S3. And I, you know, after a year being in the S3 and my evaluation was superb that the army said, you know what? He needs to be the next master sergeant. I end up getting promoted. So I will always give uh, props to my sergeant major in Japan and also to my sergeant major that was in the S3. Even everyone, people that was in the SPO, people that was in the S3, everybody, man, it was such a phenomenal time, man. It was great. So I just kind of wanted to share that story. You could take, you know, you could take a lot of nuggets from that, being comfortable to, you know, not being comfortable, but, you know, and end up enriching your life, your family's quality of life and everything by getting promoted. So you can use everything in this story and apply it to your own. Uh, but I thought this was the perfect time to tell that story. And Lord knows I got so many. Um, but I'm so thankful that the Sergeant Major, you know, moved the chess pieces on the chessboard, if you will, and moved me to another section. Because I don't know if I would have made Master Sergeant if I hadn't moved to the S3 and got an evaluation from that time I was in the S3, but I tell you, man, such a phenomenal time. 
And I went there as an E7. It was all these mass sergeants in there. And I had to kind of, you know, do things and figure everything out. But, man, it was such a beautiful, beautiful time, man. Just Okinawa, Japan will always hold something close to my heart. For one, it's probably the best family assignment I ever had. And probably it, it is the best duty station I've had in terms of location and everything that you can learn, man. But I will always say Korea was the culminating event. So, uh, again, appreciate that, man. Thank you for guys for listening, for watching here on YouTube. Uh, you can find the Trust and Believe Nomad cast at uh, YouTube at Retire Master Sergeant 20. If you prefer the audio version, again, I'm on Apple, Spotify, Deezer, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Podcast Chaser, Podcast Addict, to name a few. So, appreciate that. Appreciate the support. Tomorrow for... Sneaker stories on a Thursday. I'm going to take you back to 1996. I was a Marine in Yuma, Arizona, wearing some Scotty Pippen Nikes. I'm going to take you back to 1996 when I was a young Marine in Yuma, Arizona, and the sneaker stories about the Scotty Pippen Nikes, the air up tempos that came out in 1996. So again, appreciate the appreciate everything. You guys are supporting. The subs are going up. The downloads are going up. The commenters are commenting. The majority is are my family members, so I need some outsiders to comment as well. But, again, appreciate everything. Hope you guys have a safe day, a blessed Wednesday. Be safe and sound. Take care of your family. Take care of you, and everything will be all right. Peace and love, y'all. See y'all tomorrow for Sneaker Stories on the Thursday. Peace. Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too, and with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus, made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students, including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV.